When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom, Director Matthew, presiding over the proceedings here. And you are you, and you're with us, and that's a good thing. Appreciate that. It's going to be uh, getting busier and busier as the days go by here. A lot of fun. Fun stuff to go back and look at from the weekend that was. Right here at the top, I will let you know that this hour we will be joined by Florida State Defensive Coordinator Adam Fuller. He'll join us at 1.30. Looking forward to talking to Coach Fuller. Always uh, a good conversation, a fun conversation. Um, uh, he's a guy that you can really kind of chop it up with and, and have fun. Um, he's uh, he's an interesting guy. So we're going we're gonna to have him on at 1.30. Look forward to it. By the way, Wednesday uh, we'll have uh, an opportunity to play the interview I did this morning with Florida State quarterback coach. Uh, Coach Tokars joins us, uh, and and that was a lot of fun, too. Um, Good to talk to him about what he's looking for this spring. Obviously, all eyes on Jordan Travis and the progress that he needs to make and hopefully will continue to make and what he could be uh, leading the way with this offense. But I wanted his thoughts on what are they looking at fundamentally, mechanics, footwork, all that stuff, mentally the stuff that they're talking about, uh, and, and getting him prepared uh, to lead this team. Coach Tokar has joined me this morning. We're going to run that on Wednesday. You'll be able to see all of these uh, interviews, whether they be players like we did last week with Jared Verse or coaches like we're doing this week with Coach Fuller and Coach Tokars. You can find them on WarChant TV if you miss them while you're driving around uh, and you don't get to hear them on the Jeff Cameron Show. Go find them on YouTube on WarChant TV. And while you're there, don't forget to like and subscribe. To Warchant TV, that way you'll get notified when myself or anybody, for that matter, on this staff uh, puts together yet another piece. And there's been really good pieces as of late as things start to tick up. Uh, obviously, I want to point to other sports too. It's pretty cool. Uh, Ira and I last night were on the Sunday Smash. If you missed that, okay, there you go. Go find that on Warchant TV. Um, but we we talked about his article breaking down. The amazing comeback on the road against Virginia, uh, in which the Knolls steal one. And I could watch that. I have watched that replay. Watched it live, and then I watched the replay. I've seen the replay probably 30 times because there's always another person to stare at in the crowd and to feed off of their bitter disappointment and devastation. 
There's always the moment to watch the sadness wash over their face as the realization that they just choked away a nine-point lead in the final two minutes against a Florida State team that is hardly its best in the last handful of years, meaning they are destined to go to the NIT with the aforementioned Knowles. This is what that sounded like, by the way. Brianna, the baseball pass. Cleveland, the catch. Good if it goes. Oh, he hit it. He hit it. Matthew Cleveland wins it for the Knowles. Whole lot of suck it right there. That is a beautiful thing. Devastating. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that was that was amazing. That was a lot of fun. And in a season where there hasn't been a lot of fun, we needed it. They needed it. We needed it. And it is really surprising given how bad the effort and the result was against Boston College. Uh, that was not a team that kind of gave you any indications. There was nothing about that game that portends of the game we saw against Virginia. So you give them credit. They're fighting. They're still fighting despite all the bitter setbacks. And good for them. And good good for Coach Hamilton and that staff. Uh, if you do do what I did, which is to go back and watch it and kind of piece by piece, uh, all of the elements to it, right? Yeah, you can do that for the final 215 or so, but if you just do the the actual shot, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. First of all, yes, schadenfreude's a beautiful thing, so you can take great pleasure in watching the bitter disappointment and sadness um, uh, at all those there at the JPJ <laughs> as, as it happens, as the realization, as I said, washes over them. But if you just want to go ahead and embrace uh, Florida State's side of things, and just look at our Knowles. There's a lot to make you smile, whether it's uh, the weatherman who makes a perfect inbounds uh, pass, and by the way, buys time, runs the baseline, cocks the arm, gets gets your defender elevated, waits for him to come back down. He's 6'11", waits for him to come back down, throws a beauty of a pass, and then if you want to just look at the athleticism from Matthew Cleveland, the way that he contorts his body, makes that catch in one fail motion, turns, spins, gets it off inside of a second. Obviously, it's all net, so that'll work. Uh, but you want to watch all of those things you can. But watch Prieto as he goes over to the bench to hug Stan Jones. Like, as the celebration happens, that's the stuff that moves you. That's the stuff that makes you smile and say good for them. How many times they've worked on last-second plays, how many times a coach has to draw something up, communicate it to his players, have those players digest it, understand it, and then execute it. It's very hard to do, especially when there are nerves. It is intense in terms of the competition. There is a lot of pressure, all of it. To execute flawlessly and then to see the joy emerge when it works and how the players, they run out to Cleveland who's made the shot. But watch Prieto go over to Stan Jones to give him a hug because he draws up most of those inbound plays, and it was just it was awesome. That's the stuff that you think about when you were part of a team, the kind of things you think about. you know. In a, and think about this. It's somewhat of a meaningless game in a regular season that has been a lost cause, and yet you know those individuals, every one of them involved, will remember it for the rest of their lives. They'll never forget it. They'll relive it in their mind over and over and over again. And that makes me smile because that shows me that they're still together. And there was evidence that maybe they weren't. There was, 
But then you see this happen, and it gets executed the way that it does, and the sheer joy, it's beautiful. There's a lot in this season that's rotten and no good, but if you think about it, just for the highlights, there's a lot of highlights this year. You beat Duke at home, you beat Miami twice. Swept Miami, yeah. Swept Miami, right. Uh, you get this win. I mean, there, there's a lot of moments where you say, you know, when we look back on the season a few years, yeah, that was just a down year. Injuries got the best of them. But you know what? There were about three or four days where when you turned off the television after the game was over, you just could not help but smile. And the thing for Prieto that I love is that caps off an awesome game for him individually. Yeah, and he played had nearly a few of 30 them. minutes. Yeah. Six of eight from the floor, extremely efficient. If you look at the plus minus, he was our best player on the floor, and he caps it off with that pass. And now in that building, you have the finish with Dwayne Bacon, where we traded last-second buckets Yeah, you got the Ian in a Miller similar play. circumstance. Now, I'd love for us to stop the ball in, in the situation this time around. <laughs> yes. But, like, that was wide open. Yeah. That looked like... Here we go. That looked like what Dalvin Cook was experiencing in the Rose Bowl against yeah. Oregon. You're yeah. like, oh, there's, no, there's nobody there the go, whole time. Go. This is a runway. Yeah. This is a complete runway. But it was a similar finish in the sense that Virginia hit an emotional basket with under 10 seconds to go, I think that was either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, 2017, 2016, whatever that was. And then Bacon comes back. The announcer's out of breath by the time Bacon lets it go and makes the shot. This time, Bob Wischusen was ready to make that call. Oh, was he ready to make that call, and he kills it. It sounds great. Uh, you know, also, I might note, uh, when, when, <laughs> when I was watching that play out, I got a text right before the inbounds play from a buddy who wanted to bet me whether or not we'd get a shot off. And I didn't have time to text back after before it went in. And then I wrote back double middle fingers to, to him because he was being... Camera's always rolling. I'm just this. saying, that's okay, they're grown-ups. Um, but, yeah, I said uh, I, I sent him back that, and I was like, man, stop it. And then I sent back this staff's record in one-possession games, in overtime games, and I'm like, don't, no, don't be that guy. You're wrong. You're just wrong. The one thing that I thought was fortunate in that situation, I thought it was .6 or .7 seconds to and go. And one. Yeah. And you got a full one. Now, I think the shot barely gets off either way, but you might drop something differently if you have under a second to go. You might cr try to create something sooner in the, up the court. Or I don't know. Maybe they draw something up. It'd be interesting to talk to Coach Ham. It's like If it's .6, do you try a pass even farther down the court? Do you try and get the ball out quickly and then it's a three-quarter court shot? Like, How would you attack it with .6 versus yeah, 1? Yeah. But those four tenths mattered. I thought for certain when they went to the monitor it would be maybe .7 if we were lucky. When I saw 1.0, I thought, well, okay. You might even be able to get a dribble off if but we didn't need to. No. But you might even be able to get a dribble off if the pass is perfect. You know what's funny about it is you're reminded of it because of the Leitner play all the time, and there was considerably more time in the Leitner play. Um when they beat Kentucky in the tournament. But you realize that you have more time than you think you do. And the trick is trying to get the player to understand that. Because, obviously, the clock's not the clock doesn't start when the ball's in the air. So it's just waiting, and, you know, you can only be so quick on that button. So you have a little bit more time. You have a time to catch and turn and shoot, you, you know. And now he does it in such a flawless, one-fail, you know, just motion. It's, it's beautiful. It's athletic as all hell. If you're trying to conjure dreams of one magic week in Brooklyn, the <laughs> fact that Matthew Cleveland is getting to his spots a lot more naturally of late, like that's the big takeaway for me in this game, is it's, it continues a trend of this elite slasher, attacker of the basket. I know that Corey tweeted at one point in the game, hey, you, you don't want to take a foul because you can't get to the line and succeed at the free throw line with any regularity or consistency. But just getting to his spots on the court, 
it looks a lot easier. It looks like the game might have slowed down for him. I get the ACC's terrible, but these are the teams you'd have to play on the way to a championship game in Brooklyn. So I don't know. Uh, if you, if you, Cleveland's <laughs> confidence is in a place where it looks like it could be, and that's fearlessness and kind of he knows, he expects that he's going to make a basket by getting to wherever he wants to be, okay. You might have somebody for this next week and a half that looks like the player we expected on signing day. I love that you are relentlessly holding on to this dream of what's going to take place in the ACC tournament. I I, I love that you are. Um, I mean, that's that's. Uh, He's more of a weapon for that dream, the pipe dream, maybe. It's a pipe than he dream, was two weeks yes. ago, yeah, right? Sure. You get polite back? Well, okay. I, you know, you are getting some guys back, and we did talk about that last night on the Smash that you're going to get polite back. You would like to think. Uh, that Mills will be back. Uh, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you mentioned Cleveland's getting more comfortable. Some of the guys are getting more comfortable. They're, they're still, it's still a long way to go. Yeah, it is hard for me to remember that it's been 30 years uh, since that Leitner play. That's how time ticks quickly. I can still remember. I was at my house uh, in St. Petersburg with my parents, and I remember running up the stairs. We are, are, we have a two-story house, and I was running up the stairs to yell at my brother because I couldn't believe it just happened. And uh, we were, in those days, uh, we, we had family pools, and we all had bets on teams. I mean, see, the betting goes way back in the Cameron family. We were betting even back then, and I had Duke, and he had Kentucky. So I, <laughs> I wanted to know, tough luck, buddy, tough luck. So we're going we're gonna to get out early on this break because – what, the way we're going to work this is uh, another short segment before we bring in uh, Coach Adam Fuller at uh, 1.30. So before I do, a reminder, uh, there's a benefit to replacing your roof at the same time you have solar panels installed. If you're interested in solar panels, there are opportunities for tax credits. In addition, you want to make sure your roof can handle the weight of solar panels, that your roof will not need to be repaired or replaced. Commercial roofing tax benefits, There's all of that is there. It's important to hire companies that have employees versus subs. And my man at T-Spark Enterprises Roofing and Construction has exactly that. Uh, and so it is. You may want to have them come out and take a look if you're interested in all of that. T-Spark Roofing and Construction. It's Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so the tournament next week, FSU locked in, it looks like, to the 8-9 game against Syracuse on Wednesday. The Noles can clinch the 8th uh, or ninth seed with a win in uh, the final two games were losses by Pitt and BC, who own tiebreakers against us. Since Pitt's hosting Duke tomorrow, BC's hosting Miami on Wednesday, I think the Noles will officially be playing in the 8-9 game. Before we even take the court against NC State on Saturday at the uh, TLC Double C, buddy. 
All right, we can win that one. One and zero in Brooklyn. Send Bayheim packing. What a weekend in college basketball! I should mention that Saturday was crazy. Gonzaga, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, Kansas, Kentucky. Peace. Loss. 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 Uh, on the same day, something that had never happened since the AP poll debuted, you know, in 1948-49. So you'd never seen that before. It never happened that you had all those top 10 teams lose on the same day. But they did. Texas Tech lost to TCU. They were the number nine team in the AP. So seven of the AP's top 10 um, lost on the same day. That, too, set a record. Only Duke and Villanova, who was idle. Baylor beat Kansas, who was number five, but Baylor's 10th. So there it is. And now you begin kind of the fun time, Tom, actually. You begin conference tournaments today. It starts now. Uh, Northeast Conference begins play tonight. I know you're going to be locked in. Oh, thank God. Uh, Tomorrow is the opening round in the Atlantic Sun. Also the opening round of the Ryzen, as well as the Patriot League. And so... It's a big week for Big Daddy J. It is a very big week to take advantage of opportunities in conference tournaments abound. And who doesn't want to celebrate all that? By the way, if you didn't watch our game in the ACC and you're a huge fan of the ACC in basketball, this year has been a bitter disappointment for you. But if you didn't watch our game and you decided to tune into the others, only the Virginia Tech-Miami game was worth your time. 71-70, Virginia Tech. There we go. Very proud of them. Eight points down in the final 142 to steal it from the hated Canes and their sorry-ass fans. It's a glorious thing to watch. That game was at Miami, so the bitter disappointment that washed over their face was equal to that of the fine uppity people at the JPJ. Isn't that glorious? Yeah, we pissed off some fan bases on the road this mm. year. It's good. Mm. It's beautiful. Poison them with hope. Duke beat Syracuse by 20. Not a watchable game. Notre Dame told Georgia Tech, touch your toes. 90-56 to right there. That'll hurt your feelings. North Carolina, they also uh, routed in Wake Forest, blew out um, Louisville, Clemson, beat up BC. So those standings are pretty much set in stone. Adam Fuller is the defensive coordinator at Florida State University. He's going to join us on the Jeff Cameron Show next. Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. As always, remember to like and subscribe War Chant TV. I mentioned it earlier, a lot of player and coaches uh, interviews as we gear up for spring football. Really, really excited, obviously, to have the opportunity to talk to players and coaches. I talked to uh, Coach Tokars this morning. You'll hear that interview on Wednesday. And joining me now on the program is Florida State Defensive Coordinator, Adam Fuller, coach. Good afternoon. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, it occurs to me because I'm bald and you're bald. It's probably good that we're both bald with the up and down nature of last season, where it starts rocky, then it's good at the end. You, we don't have hair to pull out. It's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a hair talk. Got no, it. it's not going to be a hair talk. I'm just joking with you. I, the year started so weird, and then by the end, you had to be really pleased with what you had on defense. It was just a, a kind of up-and-down season uh, where in the beginning of the season, it was frustrating, and then by the end of the season, you saw a lot of guys working together and just seeming to have a better understanding. I would imagine, as that propels you to the offseason, you're pretty excited to find out what you got as you go into spring. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't think when we finished the season, we weren't where we wanted to be as a team. Um, but, you know, I was definitely excited about the steps that we took on defense and, you know, just the way we were playing, you know, were we perfect? No, but I just, I did like the buy-in. I did like the execution um, collectively. And, you know, we just, we played better team defense as the year went on. And um, I just, I had a good sense of, of knowing what we were going to get day in and day out. Um, and so it's exciting to have most of these guys back for sure. What clicked in your estimation, Coach, as we talk about that second half of the season, there were times where your unit was downright dominating. I mean, against some good teams, too. So if we go back to the beginning of the season where that's not the case and we get to that midway point and what a lot of people thought was going to be the most difficult aspect of the schedule, when you, you know, before the season began, you never really can tell, but you looked at those groups of teams and you thought, man, Florida State's going to have to win some games early because it's going to get real tough late. But that's where you guys shined. You were really good in the second half of the season. What clicked? You know, I just think there were a lot of things that that improved. And, you know, the mindset day-to-day um, from a Sunday to Tuesday to a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday preparation, um, the standard got raised. Um, you know, and when our best players were definitely our hardest workers, you know. I mean, it came down, you know, there were Friday practices where, you know, it would be 8.30 in the morning and Jermaine would be chasing a, a scout quarterback down the sideline or um, we had Fabian Lovett and Jarvis Brownlee converging on the ball, you know, you know, on, on a typical Friday morning before, you know, game day. So I just think the mindset definitely improved. And then we kind of identified what we were as the season went on and got guys in positions where they play consistently uh, together Um we were trying to keep it as streamlined as possible with what we were calling and how we were playing in situations. So I think that helped the guys play fast. They became really comfortable playing with each other and, you know, developed some confidence as, as it went on. And I think that started to show. Coach, when I, when I think about the start of spring and I look at your defense as the whole, let's start in the defensive backfield where obviously you have some newcomers that people are excited about and Sam McCall and uh, Azaria Thomas and, and, and Greedy Vance comes over. Uh, but you also have a ton of guys with a lot of experience who began to emerge. Uh, I know folks get really excited for good reason about a Kevin Knowles or, a, of course, we saw Akeem Dent and Shaheen Brown's a guy I'm excited to watch, Marion Cooper. You have a lot of versatility, a lot of ways that you can work this. Uh, talk about that secondary group and, and how you see this playing out in spring. Yeah, I think they probably had the most growth as the season went on from a position group. Um, I think part of the reason you saw that is because you know, by the end of the year, you know, we had two freshmen playing a significant role in Kevin Knowles and, um, and Duke Cooper, you know. But you know, we've got 10 DBs that have played uh, a, a significant amount of football, and you need it in this league. I mean, we played over 150 snaps of six DBs at a time. Um, so, you know, there's five DBs out there, I'd say over 500 snaps in the season and six over 150 snaps. So, you know, in, in our league – you know, you got to make sure that you've got depth, but quality. And I think what happened last year, you know, from Louisville on is we really, we locked into a rotation, especially at safety, you know, where, where the communication and the playing with each other and off of each other really becomes a premium. So, you know, I think when we, when Kevin was able to take over that nickel role, we were able to move Jamie Robinson to safety full time, you know, it really developed some consistency. 
Um, you know, it came dense, started to play better football. You know, Jarquez McClellan, we call him Pack, you know, really developed a role in our sub defense. And then we've got some other guys that have played a lot of football back there in Sidney Williams. Um, Shaheem at safety is somebody we're really counting on. Um, love the way he's taken the steps since the season ended. Um, you know, and, and then at corner, you know, Jarvis really improved. Brownlee played better uh, from the middle to the end of the season and somebody that we rely on, on being somebody that we can really count on in one-on-one situations, but also in the run game. Um, you know, and then, you know, we've got a bunch of returning corners. You know, like I said, we got 10 DBs that have played a good amount um, and we'll need them all. You know, but I think when we started to really develop the consistency, um, not only from a communication, but just playing with each other, um, you know, especially at safety, that really, really tied together a lot of things that we were doing. It really helped us take those steps to, to limit big plays and, you know, to start to pick the ball off. I think we had interceptions in maybe the last six or seven games of the season last year. Um, you know, so it really started to pick up and you know, excited because we're getting, you know, everybody that's played for us in the back end is back. And we, we've added some additions. And as important as adding the additions is you're getting guys like Shaheem and, and, and Kevin Knowles um, and, and Duke, you know, guys that, that even played a lot. You know, they're going through a full offseason. So, you know, really like the direction we're headed in the back end. I'm curious, Coach, you brought up the Louisville game. I, I remember thinking after that game, I think they found something. I think there's something there, and you specifically brought that up. Did you feel that way at the time? Did you note it at the time that you thought, okay, there's clearly something that is clicking with these guys. They were so much more aggressive coming up in the run. Everything about from that game forward seemed to indicate or portend a better play. Did you know it in that moment, despite the, the bitterness of a loss? Did you know walking off the field, okay, I think we got something here? Well, in the second half of that game, I mean, you know, you can watch, you know, just from the sideline, the energy that they played with. I mean, you know, we were all, you know, the way that season started, you know, that wasn't how you drew it up. And, you know, the first half of that game, for sure, not how you drew it up. And, you know, I, I think, you know, just our guys, you know, they were working hard. They were putting a lot of work. But when you're down big at home, I mean, you know, that that's a feeling that you can't really put away. And. I think we responded, you know, not well enough. We couldn't finish it, you know, but I think that really tried, that really got our guys trying to understand, you know, what the standard was and what we were trying to get done. We all want results. And, you know, I think our guys got frustrated and the, instead of making the frustration, you know, point fingers, they really kind of united a little bit more. And I think we started to come together as a football team and program, not that we weren't before, but, you know, you don't want to say we were result-driven at that point, but, you know, sitting there at 0-4, you know, there were a lot of guys that had to make decisions, and I think a lot of those decisions um, really unified our football program, and, and we started to push, and, you know, I, I think, you know, in the second half of that game, we really started to get into a, a – um, we cut down the reps as far as who was playing, and, you know, especially at safety, and I think that started to – quantify as the season went on because a lot of those guys started playing together um, in a little bit more of a rhythm and I think it started to pay off. Coach, uh, I want to ask you because somebody in our chat here watching the show as we as we film it, um, I thought I had a good question so I'll, I'll relay it to you and then the rest will be from me but Briley asks that he would love to hear what metrics, specific metrics, empirical measures 
of defensive performance that you use and you'll be analyzing to judge growth of individual position groups in the defense as a whole. And I know you guys use a lot of them, so that's why I asked his question because I remember talking to you before last season and uh, came away from that having learned a lot from talking to you, so I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I mean, you know, met – you know, back in the day when, you know, before analytics came out, I think we've always used them, you know, in developing, you know, whether it's metrics, whether it's, you know, numbers that quantify success and all those things. I think it's all important. It's just been a lot more publicized now. Um, but, you know, we try and teach our or we teach our guys what success looks like situationally and down in distances. And so when we, you practice against the offense in the spring, you know, yeah, there's fundamentals that we're trying to work. There's coverages and pressures we're trying to work. But just so they can understand what winning football looks like situationally, you know, whether it's, you know, wins on regular down distance, whether it's wins on second long. Third downs are pretty easy, right? You either you, you stop more, you don't. Um, you know, and then the fourth down football's, you know, pretty self-explanatory. Um, but, you know, just – you know, I would say to answer the question, some of the metric stuff that we get into or some of the numbers that we get into that quantify, you know, are, you know, run game success, um, you know, pass pressures, which just isn't sacks. Um, I think it's just affecting the quarterback in ways that we try to teach. Um, you know, we do something in the offseason that we call it, you know, when we, when we do have meeting times, we have things that we call run basics, pass basics, um, pass rush basics, you know, where we teach the whole defense on what it looks like um, to have success, you know, in each one of those three phases. So, you know, we are working numbers, you know, whether it's red zone numbers, um, third down numbers, um, or just regular down distance, second and long numbers, you know, all those things are things that we try to give those guys numbers to judge what success looks like, um, you know, in each one of those situations. How relieved, Coach, were you to uh, regain, if you will, uh, the services of Big Coop and Fabian Lovett? Obviously, that's a that's a starting place where you're solid up the middle right off the bat. That was good news for all Knowles everywhere to hear they were coming back. Yeah, it was it was great news. You know, we try to, you know, as the season starts to wind down, you know, it's human nature because it's on the player's mind, you know, and you try to stay as locked in the week as you can. But, you know, I think – you know, like a guy like Robert Cooper, you know, I just – I think he's come a real long ways, and I think he's got a chance to have a really special year. Um, really excited about that he's coming back. And then, you know, Fabian, who I think was probably one of our most improved players on defense or our whole football team <clears throat> last year, you know, to have both their leadership but also their work ethic and just – I mean, anybody can watch film two years ago to last year and see the improvement they made – and to put them in the middle of our defense, you know, it was a big deal. You know, it's going to solidify our run defense. Um, and obviously, I think they both, you know, were probably undervalued as pass rushers. Uh, I think Fabian made an impact. But even Coop, you know, I think he's he understands, you know, how he fits in, in in the defense. And, you know, his impact is definitely felt. And, you know, they're both moving really well here as we go into spring football. Curious, Coach, uh, behind them, and I'll get to uh, what everybody's going to want me to talk to you about, which is obviously Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas moving on. But I thought Melvin Ray at the end of last year, Jared Jackson, uh, I know there's high hopes for Joshua Farmer. Talk about uh, a little bit of the depth that we have at defensive tackle. Yeah, you know, last year, 
you know, Fabian Coop played a significant role. Jarrett Jackson, um, who I think he's got an extremely high ceiling. You know, he was banged up with injuries a little bit last year, but when he did play, um, definitely you could feel his presence. You know, he's one of the – he's a very talented inside player. Uh, Malcolm Ray, you know, really came out of not nowhere. He's always been talented, but it just clicked. I think at defensive tackle especially – you know, it's hard to judge where you think somebody will be as a freshman and even as a sophomore. I mean, just because it's such a physical position, the development in the weight room, the development of technique and practice, um, you know, it's definitely a position that by their third year, that's when you really judge what type of football player they'll be. I think when you get something out of a true freshman or even a redshirt freshman at that position, um, I think you're very fortunate. Uh, it's just such a physically mature position. That, you know, so to see Malcolm have the success he did, I think that really highlights what his career is going to end up being here at Florida State. Um, you know, Joshua Farmer, we played him in three games last year. Um, we wanted a red shirt and we were able to. Um, and, you know, he's up to 300 pounds. You know, he's somebody we identified when we first got here as somebody that is prototypical to play defensive tackle for us. And, He's checked all the boxes. Now it's just about going out there and showing all the work he's put in. Um, so I think if you add those guys, you know, those are five guys that can really help us. Um, you know, and then we've got the incoming freshman, Daniel Lyons, Bishop Thomas. You know, we'll see where T.J. Davis is at. You know, and then the flexibility that Dennis Briggs will bring us to. I think that gives you a little bit of of a, of a group inside that we can count on. Yeah, Coach, uh, Dennis Briggs was having a great season. He gets hurt. You're kicking him to the outside, I guess it looks like, or you're going to have the versatility of what he can do inside and outside. I had a chance uh, last week to talk to Jared Verse. Everybody really excited about him as well. Obviously, he's a kid who uh, everybody was going after across the country. Florida State wins his services. I guess talk about having to replace uh, the two studs. Obviously, everybody knows what Jermaine Johnson did. That was an unbelievable season. We wish him well in the NFL, and Garrett Thomas, too, was really, really good. Talk about those, uh, those edges. Well, anytime you can kind of give a plan and then put the work in, execute the plan, and then see it work, I mean, that's all part of what we're trying to get done here. And, you know, we identified last year at this time, a year ago, um, both Jermaine and Kier and, you know, studied their tape, got a chance to meet them, coach them, put a plan together for them. And they both, you know, they had, they had great seasons here and will forever be Seminoles, you know, they played extremely hard and you can count on them and they both had great years and, you know, proud of everything that they got done here and, you know, looking forward to seeing what they do in the future with their careers, had a chance to go down to the senior bowl and support Jermaine in that week of practice. And um, just super excited for him and Kier and what they were able to bring. And, you know, I think they raised the standard, you know, on defense and in that D line room, that was part of what we challenged them with. And, you know, yes, they had statistics, but, you know, what they brought to this program, um, I think, you know, was really important on the field and off the field. Their leadership, um, how they went through their business, you know, and, and how they treated each other and how they treated their teammates. I, you know, they brought a lot. And, you know, just leaving, yeah, there's some stats that have to be filled, but there's some leadership um, that they definitely left behind for some of the younger players and guys like Fabian and, and Derek McClendon and Coop to pick up and, and, and move forward. So, you know, appreciative of what they brought to us and um, we'll always be in their corner. And um, there's never anything that um, 
I'll always be a phone call away for both of them. I thought they brought a lot to us. And, you know, so we had to go out. We knew, you know, listen, we, we signed three freshman defensive ends um, two years ago in Patrick Payton, Byron Turner, and George Wilson. And, um, you know, they all redshirted, and I think they've all got a chance to be really good players. Um, so we knew we still, you know, it's hard to rely on redshirt freshmen. So, you know, at that position, Derek McClendon was really the third, and I thought he had a very productive year, and he's had a great offseason, and he's going to get an opportunity to really take his game to the next level. You know, Quayshon Fuller was the fourth, um, you know, so he's got to continue to develop. We brought Leonard Warner back, which, you know, he had an injury last year, so we really never never got to use him, but he'll be put into that mix. And then we did feel like with the three redshirt freshmen and what we had coming back, we did want to go out and find the right fit. And I think Jared's one of them. Um, you know, he plays extremely hard. Um, you know, it, it, it was really good being able to go and recruit him to be able to show him, you know, and listen, he's going to be different than Jermaine. He's going to be different than Kier. He's going to be different than DMAC, different than the other guys. But, you know, be able to show him how he's going to be utilized in our front here at Florida State. I think that was part of the lure for him. And, you know, it was important to us to bring one more piece in. And, you know, I think he, he checked a lot of boxes. And, you know, he's been a great addition here for the last month and a half during workouts. So, you know, it's definitely we've got the numbers back up. You know, we've got a group of, of defensive ends here in the program that we're excited about, but there's going to be a lot of work to be done in order for us to, to get that position playing the way it needs to be played. And But it will be a group effort, and you know, including those interior defensive linemen and whatever we've got to do with the rush with the linebackers. But, you know, I think we've got a good group and looking forward to getting to work with them here this week. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to ask you about the linebackers. You have a ton of production coming back. Plus, you brought a really productive linebacker in. Uh, and, and you know, I, I just I'm curious about that bunch in the remaining minute and a half here, Coach. I got to let you go. I want, to, want you to be able to go on with your day. But uh, that that's a group that got a ton of experience, and you brought in a lot of experience. So uh, it may be different how Florida State tries to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you could do it with the front four last year. You may have to be more versatile this year. Um, maybe maybe you disagree with me. I don't know. But your thoughts on that group? Yeah. Well. Good observation by you, but, you know, listen, we've got that whole linebacker group's coming back. You know, um, Kalen Deloach took a lot of steps. Amari Gaynor took steps. DJ Lundy, um, you know, I'm sure Stephen Dix will rebound himself and put himself in a position, you know, and, and then we, we went out and got Tatum, uh, Bethune, you know, and I think, you know, that's a that's a group um, that they're super consistent and, you know, we had good production. You know, I don't think we played – um, super clean, but I think we definitely got better at that spot. And, um, you know, with adding some of the younger guys and Omar Graham, um, you know, I think it's a group that, you know, I'm excited to, to see where that group goes, the leadership, you know, and the comfortability. That's a position, too, you know, at safety and backer in our, in our defense. You know, now we're going into year three of it, and a lot of these guys have played. And so – now it's about refining skills and, and, and sharpening things and just taking the next step in our game. So, you know, I think, you know, it, I am excited about that group. And I think um, we've, we've got a good chance to take the next step to be able to play really good defense. Appreciate your candor as always, Coach, and your time. Thanks for being generous with it. Be well, good sir. I'll see you soon. We'll be talking here at the luncheon uh, in a few days. Be good. See you, Jeff. Thanks, bud. All right, take care.
That's uh, Adam Fuller. He's the defensive coordinator at Florida State, and he was awfully kind with his time today. Long segment to respond to there. We'll come back and do so in a moment. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A lot of fun right there talking to Coach Fuller. I always enjoy it, and I thank him yet again for his time. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, the – the conversation with him is always straightforward and, and you know, I, you can, you can ask him things that I think uh, with certain coaches, you might be w- wanting to dance around or maybe not uh, be as direct, but he, he's not that way. So I commend him on that because, you know, these guys obviously <clears throat> want to win uh, as much, not more than anybody. So uh, the frustration that we feel, and express <laughs> is probably just a small measure of what they feel when things aren't going well. But really, if you think about the seesaw nature of last season, it could not have started worse for this defense. Every week we were watching a defense that gave up huge plays. And in particular on the back end of that secondary, communication was, for whatever reason, terrible. There's no there's no getting around that. I think he would admit that and basically did when we were talking there. But then I talked to you about it at the time, and I really do believe that they figured some things out in the second half of the Louisville game. And that's been debated. Some people think Louisville stepped off the gas. I don't know, man. Um, that, that if, again, it's very specifically, if you look at the score in the third quarter, they're not stepping off the gas. But anyhow, um, I, I, I go back to this. They played more competently and confidently in the second half of the season. It gives you reason to think that there was maturity and emergence and confidence there with a, quite a few of those guys that are coming back this year. So that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, use the context clues of what he said. The first month of the season when things were going wrong, guys were pointing fingers at each other and blaming each other. Mm-hmm. That's what was happening. And so the culture was not where it needed to be. You had a lot of players who were not um, living up to what they need to be as teammates for one another. And then use the second context clue. He said, we simplified things. We had fewer players at safety. Yeah. Yeah. That tells me that they had a couple of guys in the meeting room that they weren't very happy with on on a lot of levels, execution-wise and living up to what they need to be as part of this culture that we've been working hard to rebuild and fix. Yeah, the standard that they weren't reaching and the opportunities that that they were given – Right. Yeah. <laughs> we saw, a, you know, we made a decision there yeah. at that point it to was, not point fingers and to work together. That. Right. right. That so was the end of that. Yeah. I don't know if that come to Jesus was Adam Fuller instigated or if it was somebody within that segment group that said, all right, enough of this or whatever it was. But you could tell by the end of the year, everybody lived within their role and they were aggressive within their role instead of freelancing and trying to do three things at once. It just it felt like even though you were flawed in certain positions, specifically on the outside mm-hmm. by the numbers mm-hmm. and corner. You saw that guys had particular functions, and they were playing within those functions with great aggression and passion. The Miami game was the best example of it. We were physical as hell that day, but it wasn't from a place where you're saying, why is that guy in that part of the field? Right. It was where they should be. Well, I think it made it easier on them because the guys that weren't buying in were oftentimes the victims of those big plays, and then the guys that were fighting and passionate and maybe angry about all that was happening were beginning to understand better and be asked to do less in their roles. Plus, you had the emergence of the young guys. Knowles emerging helped immensely. So... All of a sudden, it's facilitated by what you're seeing on the field as well as off of it, but also the emergence and growth physically and mentally of the younger guys. And now all of a sudden there's versatility, and you can fall back on that and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Because it can't get worse. can't get worse at 0-4. In that particular position group, I was glad to hear 
that Shaheem Brown is still mm. somebody they think a lot of. Well, because, I do too. Because, you know, we did in fall camp, and there was a lot of talk about Shaheem with our whole War Chant staff. You know, saying, that guy looks like he is he, he fits the mold of what needs to be at that particular position, what you're trying to be as a defender. Yeah. The attitude, nose for the football, all of it. And then Bupkis, right? You didn't see him on the field hardly at all, and you're wondering, what gives? Well, again, it's it's a longer-term development, and they still very much like what they're seeing out of Shaheem Brown. And if he sees the field, that frees you up to move some other players around. Anytime um, that a guy emerges at a very young age and you get excited about what you're seeing in a camp, let's say, as we were with Shaheem Brown, who's a registered freshman now. you know, So y- you get excited because he's a big kid. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, and you think, oh, he looks like he can play now, but we forget how young he really is. And if you get lost frequently, it doesn't matter how many big plays you make in a practice, if you're getting lost from time to time and that is going to result in big plays and you're already giving up big plays, then you can't pull the trigger because a couple of things, you put them in that position and they fail, man, you think about the confidence that gets affected in that situation for a young guy who's physically gifted but you don't know if he's there yet mentally. You don't want to subject him to that. So. I think they did the right thing and protected him a little bit, and now he gets the experience that he got a year ago. He's obviously stronger. He's obviously more experienced, and now he'll come out and I think have a really good camp. Also, it helps to, you know, once you understand the speed of things, pre-snap, then your mind is slower, so you're able to communicate if you need to. You know, make your linebackers line up uh, and aligned a little bit differently, or if you need to be on somebody's inside shoulder, outside shoulder, all those little things, they add up. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to see if Tatum Bethune is an answer for as a linebacker, because last year you saw in, in fall camp, it was Amari Gaynor, Steven Dix at one group, and then it was Lundy, Kalen Deloach. And Lundy, Kalen Deloach were the better of the two, and it was clear early on in mm-hmm. camp, and that's mm-hmm. the way it played out. But you've got to have the ability to communicate on the field. I thought we were lacking there a little bit. Making sure everybody's aligned where they need to be, maybe Tatum Bethune can help. A lot of options, a lot of experience. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with us. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 